Hello, welcome to, I guess that's why they call it the Elton John podcast podcast. I'm Neil, Neil Barrett. I'm, I'm nobody. Who am I? I'm just a fan. There's just nothing out there really for Elton John fans. We have a few forums. No one seems to go on them. If you go on the Steve Hoffman uh, forum, you'll see there are threads where people are talking about the reissues. And there's a lot of interest in that, relatively. I mean, it's not he's not the Beatles, is he? Um, he doesn't spark that kind of fanaticism. But there's a lot there within the music. I think p- half of the problem is his attitude to the music. He treats it like yesterday's newspapers. And, and he'll do a, a reissue here and there, and he'll do a themed tour, loosely themed tour, but really, you just get the feeling if you don't really love what you've done and see some artistic value in it, then why should we? Well, let's put that together. Let's try and find some artistic value in what he does and did. More to the point, what he did. And um, I'm going to do that by picking out some themes week by week. Not I'm not going to be doing this weekly, I hasten to add. Um, although I'm going to try, certainly in the in the outset um, to put quite a few episodes out there at once so let me tell you a little bit about the tone that I'll be adopting it's not going to be a fawning tone Um, it will be humorous that's the intention it's hard when you're just one person I listen to the I've got a Beatles podcast podcast which is an extremely for the topic, amusing thing. It's quite fun. I like the way they pick a topic week by week, and I'm just going to ape that. I'm going to be stealing that idea. But obviously, different topics for Elton compared to the Beatles. Um, but it's it's inherently better when there are two hosts. And yet, I can possibly be a little bit more focused, because it's not like I'm going to go off on a, at a tangent that I'll be annoyed with. Only you can be annoyed with it. So there'll be some technical knowledge on display. I'm a piano player of some great note and merit. No, not really. I do play a bit. I'm a grade two. I'm a little bit better than that might suggest. Um, But that does tell you the limits of my uh, music theoretical understanding. Um... Not really a massive fan of um, later Elton, it has to be said. There are some sparks among the ashes, <laughs> perhaps. Um, there are some good bits. I quite like the diving board. I didn't like looking up. Quite like elements of the 90s albums. Some of the stuff that he did in the 90s was brilliant. Some uh, vanishingly in the 2000s, it was pretty good as well. I respect the fact that he's given it a go artistically and I'm always waiting for that Johnny Cash moment where he comes out with hurt something something really deep and meaningful and something that we can hinge our understanding of his later career on and it's not happened and will it happen I'm not sure anyway maybe if Elton has a listen to this he'll reevaluate his no 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 I'm sure he won't anyway um I'll be looking at the music. I'll be focusing on early stuff. 
um, I'll be focusing on sort of the more occult stuff, things that were uh, aren't as well known. So we're not going to be listening at great length to your song, but we may well be listening to the demos that came out on um, the Elton John album reissue and that's the uh, deluxe edition when that came out um demos early demos live presentations of elton across the years that sort of thing we're not going to be looking at the clothes obviously because this is a radio show um we're not although i don't know we're not going to be delving into the relationships much although some of them may get a mention here and there we're not going to be talking about the drugs and well not really not unless it's relevant to the music that's the basic balance here it's about the music um i'm going to take as i said one topic at a time we've got some things in the pipeline so today today's podcast is called elden's buried treasure and it's i'll explain what that means in a moment next week we're going to be talking about buckmasters um orchestrations and uh, the following week, some DJM demos. So, on to today's feature presentation, which is, as I said, Elton's Buried Treasure. We're going to be using some out-of-phase stereo analysis. We're going to be using Audacity. It's a computer program called Audacity to wipe out the center channel of the stereo soundstage. I won't go into detail as to how it's done. I don't really understand. You can imagine when you're mixing something, you could pan something 30 degrees to the left, or 30% rather to the left. You could pan something else. So you might pan the uh, the acoustic guitar 30 degrees to 30% to the left. You might pan um, the the various bits of drum kit all over the spectrum. Um, you're probably going to plonk the piano somewhere off to the right. I don't know. Um, but you're going to put the bass in the middle and you're more than likely going to put the vocals in the middle. And this technique finds a way to work out what sits in the middle and to cancel it out. Um, and then when it's cancelled, you hear no... Well, it depends where it's mixed, but things like bass, things like vocals are wiped out depends on the mix and some songs just get completely broken by this technique um i'm going to obviously play songs that haven't been broken by the technique where we can still hear what's going on underneath what was um recorded when we came in you'll have heard a very unusual version of um ballad of a, a well-known gun it started out well enough and then you hear that elton's not really there and you just get to hear Caleb Quay's stylings. Is it Quay or Key? It's Quay, isn't it? Like Finlay. His, you know, crazy stylings. The guy, as you'll hear from me, is uh, one of my favourite things about early Elton is listening to Caleb and listening to the way he plays. He's just such a smooth player. So talented. And Ballad of a Well-Known Gun. All those little interjections and little comments that he puts in are amazing and it's so good to be able to hear them in relative clarity um, with Elton's vocals gone we can't hear the bass um, it's nice to be able to focus on the piano and the and Caleb's guitar in their sort of meshed together state yeah Elton's not really known for his highly intricate arrangements or you know recordings which 
are pieced together from multiple sessions. So we're not going to be uncovering lots of highly novel, exciting new sounds that weren't there, but we will get to hear the musicianship um, in much greater detail. And uh, we can highlight things like backing vocals and start to understand a little bit about how the mix itself was done in the first place. There were certain things that I really wanted to try out, um, but I didn't have um, CDs to rip because I've just got stuff on vinyl. Um, and you have to work from the WAV files because otherwise things get crumbly very quickly. I wanted to hear the backwards drums if they were there in, is it Grimsby on Caribou? I wanted to hear that odd Mellotron type noise towards the end of burning buildings. Is that what that is? I don't don't have breaking, I'm sure I did have breaking hearts on CD anyway. I'll have to look. Um, I wanted to hear all the crazy guitar atmospherics in I've Seen the Sources, that sort of stuff. Anyway, I, I didn't have the right uh, um, tools at hand. But what I have done, I've uh, found a bunch of tracks. We're going to highlight them. We're already 10 minutes in, so we should get going, really, shouldn't we? Um, by the way, if you want to do this yourself, you can download a file, a program called Audacity for free. Get your WAV file, stick it in, go to Effect vocal reduction and isolation and then choose the option remove center classic mono and it does produce a mono file that's it just press the button and you'll get to hear exactly um what we're hearing here you'll get to see the detail let's have a listen to sales from empty sky on that wah pedal you're just squeezing out those lines there's not much that's really hidden you this it's a pretty simple piece of music but you can hear it in detail i've always loved this song it's it's not my favorite on the album i like the folky oh, i really like empty sky um i like the folky stuff and this is quite a folksy number in its own way um i like it despite the uh chinese cultural appropriation going on which I don't think stands up particularly well um, but it's really interesting in this uh, 
out of phase stereo version to hear Elton's organ playing, hearing those backing vocals as well out in the open. Um, there's going to be more along the same sort of lines at the end of today's show when we're going to listen to Lady Samantha, Samantha, which comes out really, really well um, through this process. Okay, let's. We're going to take this roughly sequentially. I think uh, it might get slightly messed up at times. We're going to go on to 1970 and rock and roll Madonna. So yeah, that was the end bit of Rock and Roll Madonna. You can hear the horns doing their thing. You can't quite make out. You can make it out. Elton doing his good a little bit lower thing, which is excruciating, and it's lovely not to have it. Um, you can hear a really lovely soft tone from Caleb when he's uh, doing that little bit lower bit. And it's not the most earth-shaking bit of um, Elton John um, band playing, but it's it's nice to hear. It makes you realise how similar that recording is to elements of Tumbleweed. And uh, it was just a weird thing to bring out. I, I, find, <laughs> I find it a very regressive song, even at that point in his career. It sounds like the Blues Brothers or something. The, I mean, who booked the horns? Who said, yeah, let's get horns? And who orchestrated that? What what exactly was the, was the, was the goal? What were they looking for with that recording? And they laboured over it. As you, If you've got the uh, Elton John Deluxe Edition, there's not only a demo, there's a full band version there, which is quite different. They should have just not bothered. <laughs> Yes, he wanted to show his physical bombastic side and we're sensible considering what was about to be released. But nobody heard this single anyway. It just is an oddity in the catalogue, it really is. Um, by putting those uh, crowd noises in, but all that fake-out live banter with Elton and the fake crowd, very weird. Um, anyway... You got to hear it without that, although a little bit of applause. It's just not great. One of my least favourite songs from this era, but I, I found when I put it through the uh, process that it I heard stuff I hadn't heard before. Let's move on to Tumbleweed. <laughs> Thank you. 
that was the third verse of Amarina. This is incredible piano playing, isn't it? This is what El- being an Elton John fan is all about. He really tears it up in that verse. I don't know whether or not this was recorded simultaneously with him singing. I believe it was. I've got no reason to think it wasn't. He rips it up. Um, I was really excited about the Diving Board album when it was due to come out. And uh, when he was saying, well, we're back to the three piece and back to the focus on the piano. And, it, you know, in that song, A Town Called Jubilee, which I find is quite similar in some ways to Amarina. There's a similar feel. Unfortunately, it just seems like he hasn't really got it in him, chops wise. Hmm. Maybe I'm being unfair. I mean, and who would expect him to still be able to think that fast at the piano after 40 years? It's a lot to ask, isn't it? 50 years? Nearly. Anyway. It's so great. Once again, listening to Caleb and Elton's understanding, they just wrap around each other so beautifully. They were special together. They really were. Um, But then something happened and uh, Hookfoot weren't available and Elton had to tour. And so we got got that three-piece, which were... It wasn't a terrible career move. In fact, it was a very good career move. Let's have a listen to... Can I put you on? From 17 of the 11th 70... That's what we call it here in England. Okay, once again, that second verse of Can I Put You On, it's got some of the strongest piano playing of his career. Um, We can't hear the bass, isn't it a tragedy? But you can hear the drums, and uh, great to hear Elton locked in. Um, They were so, so incredibly tight, not just within these structured songs, but when they were, well, how unstructured something like that 17-minute jam actually was. It was actually, I think, when you listen to other recordings of Burn Down the Mission and the medley from other performances around that era, there there was a good 80% of it which was very, very, very similar. But still, they were, they were living in each other's brains and certainly when they were recording this one with their headphones on, at the uh, A and M studios, wasn't it? They had a great understanding. It's sad not to be able to hear D here, and I do think that uh, I'll make up for this by doing a uh, 
Dee's greatest hits, some of his top baseline moments. I'll do a show about that in the near future. Let's have a listen to another one. Let's have a listen to Bad Side of the Moon. So we get to hear quite a bit of Dee and Nigel there doing their backing vocals together. Um, I don't know which one's which. My sense is that Nigel is the higher pitch. I could be wrong. Um, They sound pretty good together. Um, Weirdly, and I don't know whether or not this is... This is the audio from the new remix which came out with the record that was released recently, the expanded 171170. Um, but it sounds like the whoever's mixed that is really riding the volume fader for Elton's piano, really, um, but boosting it in some when when he wasn't singing, very blatant. Um, I'm pretty sure that that cam- comes from the original mix, but I didn't have time to go back and check. But yeah, what a what a strange thing to do. Um, let's move back to the studio, to the real studio, and have a listen to. All the nasties. It's just so overblown and so haughty. I mean, and yet fairly contentless. I know that in theory, this was an Elton John coming out song. Um, Very oblique, if that's the case. But, you know, that was the intention, was that it was supposed to tackle the relationship that he had. And I don't think there was much bad blood there at this stage, but it was was some sort of response to the press. Um... Not sure really what Bernie was trying to get out of Elton's mouth with this, but my goodness, it didn't need a choir, did it? Um, We can hear that choir here in some detail, and they are pretty highfalutin in the way they go about expressing that sentiment. Later on in the... uh, in uh, towards the end of the song when it all kicks off you've got the choir you've got the strings you've got elton hollering and playing pretty loudly 
there's too much reverb. I think I love the way that Madman is recorded. I think it's an absolute triumph. But this song is a mess, and uh, I've never enjoyed it. And I bet I bet that there were ways of tackling it that would have been a little bit more humble. Anyway, not a favourite. Let's move on. We're going to my well, probably my favourite album of all time, Honky Chateau. Let's have a listen to the big hit. So that's Rocket Man. I think we know that, don't we? Does that need announcing? So we had a good highlight there of the ARP synthesizer as played by engineer David Henschel, not by Elton. We can really hear the notes. You can hear half of them, can't you, very clearly in the uh, final mix. But when we take the vocal away, when we take the bass, so I think the bass drops there. We can hear all of those notes. Nothing particularly exciting there, but it's an interesting viewpoint on the song. You can also hear Davey doing his atmospheric guitar and his wonderful punctuating 12-string acoustic. Very loud in this mix. In fact, I brought that down a little bit so that I could um, bring the rest of it up because it was so much louder than everything else. So, yeah... This is fake news. I edited that a little bit, but it is loud, but it really is so bright and it's such a great way to to scream chorus at you. Let's go to um, one of my favourite songs from the album, Amy. Thank you. 
Jean-Luc Ponty's violin is one of the coolest things about this album. A bit cooler than Legs Larry from the Bonzos. But isn't it nice not to have to listen to him <laughs> and to be able to hear the band vamping away? Um, you can hear bongos from Ray Cooper and they're bedding in with the rest of the band there. I always found it interesting, that connection between uh, Elton John and Zappa. Uh, this is this is the closest, I think, that Elton got musically to Beefheart. This is the closest. Although, I, although, no, there is no although. However, I'm sure I remember from an interview once, Elton talking about his musical validity, something along those lines, what his perception of his musical... His artistry, his level of artistry, something that, say, for Radiohead or the Beatles, it's just undeniable that they have an artistic contribution that they made to society at large. But Elton, I don't think he cares. He he doesn't claim to, anyway. Um, It's not something that deeply bothers him. Um, But anyway, I think he was discussing it once in an interview, and he said, I wish... It would have been something along the lines of it would have been nice to have done a, a duet with Captain Beefheart, but you know, stuff like that doesn't happen to me because I'm not that kind of artist. Um, I might have dreamt this because I've looked for that interview since and I, I've never found it. So if any of you guys can identify, I'd love to love to hear it. Um, again, I've, I, I think it was fairly recent. Um, you may be able to detect the fact that I'm a bit of a Beefheart fan. And I think, musically, this is a jaunty number. You know, it's jumping all over the shop. Elton's piano, um, Davy's guitar work. It is it's quite a busy one, isn't it? And there's a lot of ideas here. It's really well executed. Let's have a listen to another one. Another one of those rollicking rockers off of Honky Chateau Susie Dramas. Listen to Davy there. He's the king of the whammy bar and the volume pedal. Um, it seems like, I mean, this was his first album with the band. That he seems to be emulating Caleb a bit here. He's doing that style. 
very brilliantly slotting in around the vocals um, very complimentary manner what an amazing tune what an amazing bit of uh, piano as well let's skip an album let's move on to Goodbye Lyric Road That's harmony. That's harmony. There's no great surprises, is there? We can hear the backing vocals, though, in all of their glory. And that creepy low, hello, from Elton at the beginning of the second verse. And more of that punctuating 12-string work from Davey. It's nice to hear it from... It's like listening to the song from underneath, isn't it? You get to be able to hear a little bit more about those backing vocals. You knew they were there, but... Now you can hear exactly what they're made of. You can hear that Elton John is singing the lead, at least, in the backing vocals there, um, in the chorus. Let's uh, go on to another album. We're going to skip an album and go straight to its B-sides. Let's have a listen to Cold Highway. Highway, the it was the B side of the bitches back. Honestly, it's better than at least one song of I quite like Solar Prestige. I think it's funny. But my god, Stinker. It's already the clues in the name. Um I'm not a big fan of um You're So Static. It's a nice idea, but it just hangs around. I find ticking a bit boring. Don't tell anyone though. Anyway, back to the topic at hand. We've got some really, really lovely texture backing vocals to get into here. Three, at least three parts. Um, they are good. I think this is the, about the time when we had uh, members of the Beach Boys doing backing vocals. I don't know if they're in this, but my goodness, they do sound good. 
Uh, there's some lovely guitar squelches in and around uh, the verse bit, um, which you can't make out very easily in the final mix. Those and there's two guitar parts playing simultaneously, and sometimes they're harmonising, and sometimes they're going against one another. And I wonder if songs like this were starting to crystallise the idea in Elton's head that things weren't happening as quickly or as it wasn't as much fun. But that one thing about this album is, although they had a change of scene, it doesn't sound like it was a huge amount of fun. Obviously, it was recorded under a great deal of pressure. Likewise, with uh, Captain Fantastic, it doesn't sound like they had a, a fantastic time doing it. Um, I tried to extract uh, Someone Save My Life tonight and have a listen to The Bridge, which I've always loved. Um, but there was nothing really of interest there. It's quite straightforward. Um, Obviously, it, I, I could have um, extracted the, the uh, title song from the album. But I didn't. I skipped Captain Fantastic completely. And let's go on to the all-new 1975 Elton John seven-piece monstrosity of a band. And let's have a listen to something off of Rock of the Westies. There's a, there's a, people always call it demos, but there's a version of that with the, with pretty much only the vocals and Elton's electric piano, um, on an album called Bottled and Bottled and Brained. But this is sort of the opposite of that. We get to hear that incredible interplay between the two guitarists. Now that is dense. They worked hard on that. This was studied some really intelligent playing from Davy and Caleb. I can't work out who's who. Um, but they they were a professional outfit, apart from the dalliances between um, the bassist and Elton's... Um, and Bernie's wife, I said Elton's wife, but Bernie's wife. That wasn't very professional. Um, I've got the book uh, by Keith Hayward, um, and I'll probably go into that in some detail in a late, in later sessions because he's his era was really this era um this band he was manager of Roger Pope I believe 
and so he he understands what went on during this period of time in in some detail um and he makes it sound quite fun we've got uh a couple of albums that this band recorded it seems a shame that they didn't stick around and carry on but anyway let's go on and have a listen oh no actually we're not going to go on anywhere that's it that's our last highlighted track although of course as i said we will hear at the end of the podcast lady samantha quick comment on lady samantha there's um some sort of a glitch in the last 20 seconds of the song it's like the whole song goes mono or largely mono which means that the center extraction technique uh, breaks and so you you can't hear anything in the last 20 seconds instead of letting you hear that i've just faded it out it's a real shame though because it's such an interesting approach to this song you'll hear that out of all of the ones that I've um, presented to you today, that one's quite mental. Okay, so I hope you've enjoyed listening below the line a little bit. The next um, episode is going to be about Buckmaster's um, orchestrations. And let's play out on Lady Samantha. Um, So, hope you've enjoyed the... I guess that's why they call it the Elton John Podcast Podcast. Now, let's focus a little bit on Elton John's organ. (laughs) 